0: This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB
1: underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glynn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glynn, and this is episode 24 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11. And, of course, you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks Podcast. You can find them on SoundCloud. Just search OTB underscore SB Nation. And of course, you can find all of our episodes at OnTheBanks.com. Fall sports have concluded and we are now in the thick of things with winter sports. For all your coverage of every Rutgers team competing currently and the ones currently in their offseason, make sure to go to OnTheBanks.com. Now that the football season has come to an end, I think it is a great time to look back briefly, but mainly look forward to the offseason and next year. To help me do that, I will be joined by NJ.com Rutgers beat reporter James Cratch. But before we do that, I want to discuss a couple of positives I took away from this year. Now, I know some people are going to say, you know, 1-11, how could you take away any positives from 1-11? Well, I did. And I think many of you will agree with the positives I took away. One was the emergence of freshman cornerback Avery Young. We have been lucky enough to have two Big Ten quality corners the last four years in Isaiah Warden and Bless On Austin, and we as fans knew in the back of our minds going into this year that their time was going to come to an end here, and they were going to be difficult to replace. Well, when Austin's time did ultimately come to an end due to injury in the Texas State game, Avery Young stepped in and performed admirably. I think Rutgers, yet again, has another four-year starter at cornerback on their hands. He clearly improved as the season went on, which is most important, and as Big Ten play continued on, and I think we would all agree that he was a better player against Michigan State than he was against Ohio State at the beginning of the season. The second was the development of Mike Tverdov and Elorm Loomer. Like Avery Young, these two improved steadily as the year went by. In Tveradov's case, he got an opportunity to see significant snaps and really ran with it. Both of these guys will be back next year and will be expected to lead the defense and the defensive line. Both have high motors, both were disruptive, and showed how dominant they can be, and both are defensive leaders next year. Last is the special teams unit, which was once a big weakness but is now a big strength, led by Justin Davidovic and Adam Korsak. We as fans saw time and time again the potential both of them have in the kicking game, and luckily, Davidovic has two more years and Korsak has three. With these two in the fold, the special teams unit is shored up for the foreseeable future. Now it's on the staff this offseason to figure out the offensive and defensive issues. It's an important offseason for development, and it's up to Chris Ash and his staff to learn from 1-11 and get this program back on track when 2019 comes around. Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. To look back on the 2018 football season and to look ahead to the 2019 campaign, Chris Ash's fourth year, I am now pleased to be joined by NJ.com Rutgers beat reporter, James Cratch. Cratch, how are you? Happy to have you back on the podcast. You know, the first question I want to ask you, it's it was one that was on everyone's mind after the Michigan State game, obviously. Will Chris Ash be back? Will uh, Pat Hobbs bring back his head coach? He He did. Ash will be back for a fourth year. Did that in any way surprise you that Chris Ash is returning? I guess, what are your thoughts on the situation now that he definitely will be back next season?
0: No, it didn't surprise me at all. The way I've kind of summed it up to people who have asked is that uh, throughout the whole season, I think, obviously, when they lost to Kansas, you had a feeling that, you know, 1-11 was a definite possibility. I think that for the most part, I would say 95% of the time, maybe even like 97% of the time, Throughout the whole season, I was told Chris Ash is definitely going to be back as the head coach. I mean, there were like little like 12, uh, 12 hour flare-ups here and there where you thought like you were hearing something that, hey, maybe there could be a change. I think early last week, there was some sense that like there was just a, an edge to the whole situation behind the scenes really that hadn't maybe existed prior that you thought, okay, maybe they could make a change. But my colleague Keith started reported on Monday night that he was coming back. And from there on out, it was it was pretty obvious he was going to come back. Uh, I think this is the move that Pat Hobbs really, I don't think he ever considered uh, making a change. I think maybe there are other people around there that thought the conditions might be right. But in the end, I think this was kind of a, a foregone conclusion the whole time.
1: Did that at all surprise you, kind of the way he, he went about, you know, saying that Chris Ash is going to return?
0: I think so. I, I think what happened was, I, I think that there were, may have been a situation where uh, they weren't initially planning on making a statement right after the game, uh, and I. But I think the way the team played and almost won the game maybe that kind of sped up their process. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think it was it was it was not handled like in the way I would have expected going in. Um, I, I don't think it was necessarily handled poorly in any way, but it, it was surprising.
1: So let's look back at the season and I'm sure there are many reasons this team won one and eleven. Obviously I have about forty I'm thinking of but what are your two or three biggest reasons as to why this team lost eleven straight this season?
0: Uh offense I think is the biggest one. I just think that they uh, did not I mean they were non functional as an offense. I think two, they had depth issues. Um and I, I think those depth issues hit them And well I, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back the lack of an all functioning offense number one far and away i think number two is early on the season the defense is a mess and i think the defense got a lot better once chris ash took over but that defense people cannot forget was really an embarrassment in the first half of the season in terms of giving up big plays uh the third reason i i think is just there were certain games i look at wisconsin i look at michigan state i look at penn state um even Indiana, like, there were just were games where they just were not able to execute. Well, so there was the players on the field or the coaching staff, in my opinion, particularly Wisconsin and Penn State, not putting the team in position to kind of break through. I thought there were games where they were just way too conservative when the moment called for taking a chance or two and giving yourself a fighting shot to win the game.
1: And, you know, you mentioned that defense, how early on in the year it was just getting torched, and then it, you know, improved as, as the season went on, really right after... Ah, uh, Chris Ash took over play calling. Is that, in your opinion, kind of what sparked this defense, or, or was there something else that you may have saw, uh, may have seen on film? You know, why did this G- defense go through such a dramatic change? You know, really halfway through the year.
0: Well, I, I think you have to give some credit to Ash. I mean, I think that's only fair if you're gonna if you're gonna criticize him for facing the whole season. Believe me, he deserves plenty of criticism for one and eleven and zero and nine in the Big Ten. I think you have to give him some credit for the defensive turnaround after he kind of. Became more hands-on. I just think in some situations, you know, they, they played some limited offenses. I, mean, I think Penn State McSorley was hurt. Michigan State has a very poor offense. I think Northwestern, you know, Clayton Thorsten, the quarterback, did not have a good game that day. I felt Michigan was not terribly interested. They were just kind of trying to be conservative, stay healthy, get out of there. So I think there's a lot of factors that kind of play into that. Other guys, guys on defense played well. I mean, Saquon Hampton had a great. Second half of the season, you know, Avery Young, a cornerback, kept on making progress. They got Ellen Lumer healthy, able to pair her with Mike Tardif. So, I think there's a lot of factors in the defensive turnaround, but I do think you have to give at some credit for being involved in it.
1: You know, I mentioned in the open, I think the three biggest positives this year were the emergence of Lumer and Tardif as one. Avery Young as number two at the cornerback position, and Justin Davidovic and Adam Korsak on special teams. Can you think of any other positives? I mean, look, I struggle to really identify many others besides the three mentioned, but can you think of any other positives that you could take away from this season?
0: Well, I think Travis Volkulak, um, I, I felt he didn't have a great season by any stretch. I think a lot of us were expecting a breakout year from him after how well he played in the spring. Uh, he kind of cooled off in the summer and, He had a slow start to this year, but I felt like flashed. Like You saw enough from Bocalec that you can go into next season and think, okay, after another year in the weight room, after another year in the system, this kid is going to become a really good player, a a number one tight end got a receiving threat down the seam. I think you saw the the touchdown catch against Michigan State. He he had a rapport with Art. There were a couple of big third-down conversions they hit. Uh, I believe he had a touchdown catch against Illinois. So, you saw Volkluk, I think. I feel good enough saying, I think this guy is really going to make that next step next year. Maybe it was a little bit too early as a sophomore. He's going to grow into his frame. He's going to take that step next year. Uh, other positives, I mean, I think Pacheco has the ability to be a dynamic playmaker, obviously. Uh, Willington Prevalon played pretty well down the stretch, defensive tackle. Maybe he's a guy. They really could use him as a senior next year for everything to kind of click it, and he has a big final year at Rutgers, because they really are struggling for depth inside on the defensive line. But you're right, there, there weren't a lot of positives. I mean, when you're 1-11 and, and you lose 11 straight, the longest losing streak in the country, and you're 0-9 in the conference, I mean, there's not really much you're going to be able to tag your hat
1: on. Yeah, you know, as I mentioned, I, I kind of struggled. I was trying to think through, you know, all the different units, all the different players, what could I take away from positives? Um, but, you know, besides winning games this season, I think the biggest job or the most important job uh, that Chris Ash and John McNulty specifically had was obviously developing Art Sitkowski. You know, the 1 11 record would sting, but not as badly if Art showed at the end of the year why he is the right guy at quarterback. I assume that going into next year, going into the offseason, he will be the guy once again. But I think we would agree, and if not, I apologize, but I think we would agree that they kind of failed this season in, in developing Art Sidkowski.
0: No, I think you're right. I, I thought that the way they kind of handled Art was, I thought early on it was fine. Um, I don't have a problem with the fact that they didn't sit him until the last game of the season. Uh, I thought that, you know, look, at some point it becomes about developing him, and it doesn't become about winning losses. And look, Gio Roschino played valiantly against Michigan State. He had a great career at Rutgers, did a lot of great things, a beloved player. But you saw against Michigan State that I think why they wanted Art in the game. They wanted to establish a vertical passing attack. And I know that obviously they didn't do that this year, but they were at least trying to do that. It was very obvious that they did not feel comfortable really having Gio throw the football. So I think that a lot of fans who were calling for Gio for weeks suddenly were, during the game, I saw on Twitter and everything, realizing, like, okay, why, you know, why are they not throwing the ball? Well, I mean, that that's why. Uh, and, I, and I don't think that they would have won a bunch more games if Gio had played quarterback. I mean, maybe I don't even know if they would have won another game. With him at quarterback. I just think their offense was so limited. But I agree with you. I don't think they really did a good job of developing Art, and I thought sitting Art for the last game of the year, while it doesn't really have a major impact, it was kind of questionable to me in the sense that, you know, what's the goal here? You know, you stuck with him for all those mistakes earlier in the year. You can make an argument that he just made a physical mistake against Penn State, you know, not throwing the ball, you know, far enough out of bounds, obviously. And then you yank him, and then he run this kind of hodgepodge offense against Michigan State. So I think they kind of – they didn't ruin Art by any stretch, but I think that you're going into 2019 with a lot more questions than they would have liked.
1: You know, I think going along the offense, I think another big disappointment was the play of the receivers this season. You know, a lot was talked about going into the year and – you know, hopefully, an improved Bo Melton, Everett Wormley, Hunter Hayek, all those guys—they were expected to take a step up, and they just—they frankly didn't. What are your thoughts on why they kind of failed to improve this season and and weren't able to now uh, build off of their freshman year and you know really get better going into their sophomore year? Well,
0: you know, I, I think it, it might be a situation where look, bottom line is you have to look at the personnel now. You know, this is maybe this is not a, a development. Maybe it's, these are not. The guys that Rutgers hoped they would be. And you've got three freshman wide receivers, Paul Woods, Ziggler Lacewell, um, Jalen Jordan, who either all red shirted, some of them saw action. Uh, Woods did, Lacewell and Jordan did. you got to hope that those guys are the players that you were hoping this group was. I mean, I think it's, at the end of the day, that's one of the major weak spots for Rutgers. They've got to recruit better at wide receiver. And they've got to try to find a grad transfer or two or a junior college player that can come in to make an instant impact while they bring those freshmen along. Because I, I think at this point, you know, Bo Melton is a four-star recruit. And, you know, you can't write him or any of those players off yet. But at the same time, you, you can't sit around forever waiting for the life to come on for these guys.
1: You, you can't wait forever on guys like Bo Melton and Everett Wormley. And, and there are guys like zahir Lacewell and, and Jalen Jordan and, and Paul Woods uh, you know, coming up the depth chart looking to make an impact as well. Are there any guys like them, like Lacewell, like Woods, uh, that didn't get much action this year that you could see kind of playing a significant role and maybe taking a step up in 2019?
0: Yeah, I think uh, Reggie Sutton and Raekwon O'Neal, the two offensive linemen that Redshirt has played four games, I think there's a very good chance you're going to see roles for them. I think Raekwon O'Neal is probably going to be the left tackle replacing three Cole, and I think Reggie Sutton's a guy who he could, you know, I don't think they're going to move him to tight end full-time, but he could potentially be a right tackle if they try to move Kamal Seymour inside. He can compete for the center job with Mike Mayetti. He could potentially be a guard. I think he's a guy who they're pretty high on. Um, Trying to think, obviously, Dave-on Robinson. He he didn't register here. He played a lot. We didn't really see much out of him. Maybe he's a guy who takes a big step forward with a year under his belt. Uh, Trying to think defensively. You know, I think defensively Trey Avery, like who, who, who was injured all this year, you know, he's a guy who they have ranted and raved about ever since he got to Rutgers. Uh, we've never seen him play. So next year, you know, with, with with Wharton going, with Bless going, uh, you're gonna have Avery Young and eventually Trey Avery as two quarterbacks. I mean, Trey Avery could be an impact arrival that they've just kind of had to wait a long time for between the redshirt year and his injury year. Uh Twan Mason, a guy who, you know, got broke his leg in the first game. I think he's a guy who has a chance to maybe make an impact as a pass rusher. So there are some talented young players with promise on the roster. The big question is just, are they going to hit the field next year and produce and produce at a high level
1: before the UMass game next year, for you to look back and say Rutgers had a successful off season, I guess, what do they have to kind of accomplish with development and and even recruiting as well?
0: I think they have to make this roster deeper, particularly on the line. I think they've got to find a playmaker or two in the passing game and the most important thing I think is to get art on a firm footing, build up his confidence, make you know, help him progress through the game, put more talent around art so that he's not gonna have these struggles when he gets back on the field. Because look, unless they land some big time grad transfer that comes out and beats Art in, in training camp, Art's gonna be the quarterback. Jonathan Lewis, his future at Rutgers is a tight end. I think fans need to accept that. Jalen Chapman is the guy who, who you know, he's a, he's a project player. I don't think he's necessarily going to, he's not going to push Art to the starting job. You're bringing in two potential, you know, incoming freshman quarterbacks. What's to say that Cole Snyder is a more wise or any more prepared to play in the Big Ten than Art Stokowski was in, in, this past year? So, Art's going to be the guy, I think, and you don't have much depth or, or proven commodities behind him, particularly if Lewis sticks at tight end, which I expect him to do. So, you know, this is, this is your guy, and I think you got to put him in the best position to
1: succeed. James, a couple more before we let you go. You know, in your opinion, before the offseason really gets going here for Rutgers, which two position groups going into next season do you think are the strongest returning units? You know, is it linebackers, running backs? Who do you think on offense and defense are the strongest returning units, units that Rutgers can really lean on going into next year? <laughs>
0: That's a tough question. I mean, running <laughs> back is one of them. You know, but Pacheco and Blackshear, definitely— uh, offensive line, you know, lots lots of moving pieces there. Uh, I would say defensive end, just because you've got Loomer, you've got Turdall, you've got Cian Mason coming back healthy. I hesitate to say secondary, but I, I say that in the sense that you've got two starters coming back, and if you consider Trey Avery a starter, you know you've got three. Or you're you're going to have to replace Saquon Hampton, but you've got some good young defensive backs Jared Paul, Christian Izzy, and you know all those guys who kind of step in there. So. Uh, there's not a lot of strong points on this roster. Specialists, as you said. I mean, that might be the strongest position group uh, on the roster. Savito and Korsak, I think, are excellent. And Billy Taylor is a good long snapper. Cole Murphy is a good holder. So it's tough. I, I would say running back, uh, defensive end, although the jury's out a little bit on those guys, maybe the secondary and obviously the specialist.
1: Who was your MVP this season?
0: <sighs> I think Korsak was the best player at his position. Of anyone on the team. That being said, they only won one game. You know, I, I would say Corsack. I think was the best player on the team. It, in terms of most valuable player, I would probably say you're gonna you're gonna say Blackshear. Or you're gonna say, um, you know, Blackshear was the leading rusher and receiver, so I probably would go with him. But I think that pound for pound, Adam Corsack was the best player the Rutgers had this season.
1: You know, there's been a lot of talk uh, now that the season is over, as to whether or not Chris Ash has to make any moves on his coaching staff. Do you think, looking at the coaching staff as it is right now, that this will be the same staff that goes into Game One uh, against UMass in 2019, and if not, who do you think you know kind of moves on?
0: No, I, I think there'll be changes. Obviously, you've got six of ten assistants who have their contracts expiring before the start of, of next season. I don't expect any changes, you know, imminently. I, I think that the way it kind of works in college football now is that, especially with the early signing period, you know, the, the season ends, the coaches hit the road, they recruit, and then after the signing period's over in December, they kind of maybe assess the situation. You know, if you were to make a, a move now and let a guy go, that's one fewer coach you're going to have out on the road, you know, pushing and trying to seal the deal with some of these recruits. So, I mean, look, I, I think. Jay Neiman is defensive coordinator. Uh he, he's the, the name that pops to everyone's mind. His contract is up. Obviously, as we discussed earlier, Ash took over the defense. I think, you know, a guy like you know Lester Erb, wide receiver coach, his deal is up. We, we discussed the receivers didn't have a, a great season, didn't make much progress. So I, I I think it's pretty obvious. You know, every you know, people realize the position groups that have struggled. But that being said, I don't think that there's any one name I would say that is is that I would be surprised stunned if they were back. I think it's, it's a very fluid situation. And, and you know, it, once you get past the first signing period, it can kind of become a silly season, um, you know, in terms of the coaching carousel once the head coaching hires are made and you start to filter out and build staff across the country. I will say this. I think Rutgers, they need to, if they're going to make changes on the staff, they need to put an emphasis on player development and recruiting because the only way this is ever going to get better is if they get better players in the program and they get more of them
1: on the field. Crouch, one more before we let you go. You know, Rutgers fans, myself included, really, we are already looking at the 2019 schedule, and a lot of them don't see this team improving much record-wise. Some even saying that games that were once thought to be cupcakes against Liberty and UMass are no longer really guaranteed wins next season. Why should fans be even a little optimistic that this team can improve and be competitive next year?
0: Well, I mean, it can't get much worse. <laughs> That's a good place to start. Uh, no, they have some young talent. I think the schedule, I wrote, I wrote about com. I think that the, the, the ground, the floor is one win again because I think Liberty is a lot better than people realize. Uh, UMass, I would think, you know, opener. At home, new head coach, bad defense. That you should be able to win that game. Obviously, you should be able to beat Liberty too. But you know, we're talking about a one and eleven team here. Uh, I think you know the nice soft middle ground is like three to four wins, which is I tend to think they'll be like a three and nine team. They'll beat Liberty. They'll beat UMass, and they'll win a game in the Big Ten. You know, Maryland at home, maybe maybe Illinois on the road. Uh, If you look at that schedule and you're an eternal optimist, you know, Scarlet covered you know, colored glasses. <laughs> uh, I can see six. There, I think there are six winnable. I use winnable in quotation marks. I mean, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, obviously, Liberty and UMass, that's five. If you want to count Minnesota at home, that's six. Um, I know people are saying Iowa, the second game of the season, doesn't look too daunting. Uh, if Iowa, if their guys come back and don't declare for the NFL draft, Iowa's going to be really good next year, particularly on offense. So I don't consider that. I mean, Boston College, they're losing a lot on defense. You know, I I I don't think I think Boston College will win that game, but at the same time, I don't think it's a game that Rutgers should go and think they're going to get completely blown out. in. you know, Rutgers probably should beat Boston College at home, all things considered. So, I, I think that by the time we get to the summer and people have kind of moved on from this this miserable season, there'll be more optimism, and I think people will be thinking, hey, maybe there is a way to kind of thread the needle, play really well, and find a way to get six wins and get to a bowl game. I don't see it happening, but I do think three or four wins is is a realistic target for this
1: team. Well, look, I know myself as well as many other Rutgers fans, we are happy to put one and 11 behind us, move past it, look forward to 2019 and now look forward to sports like men's basketball and women's basketball and hope that they have better days ahead for Rutgers athletics. James, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast once again, and hopefully next time you can come on and we could talk about a couple things more positive, James. Thanks so much for joining me.
0: Anytime, you know, I appreciate you having me on. And wrestling season best get cranked, so definitely.
1: Yes, for sure, James. Thanks so much uh, for joining me. Thanks so much for coming on. I want to thank James Cratch for joining me on episode twenty-four of the podcast to look back on what was an underwhelming season from this Rutgers football program and to look forward to the off season and what the twenty nineteen year can bring. The only thing I can say to Rutgers fans is that I mentioned, and as James mentioned, there are some positives to take away from this season. Focus on those when looking forward to next year. Sure, you may have wanted Chris Ash gone, but he's coming back next season, so there's no point in harping over that fact. It's not changing. Focus on the positives from this season. Avery Young, Isaiah Pacheco, Mike Deverdov, Elorm Lumer, and others, they established themselves this year and showed that they can be Big Ten-level quality starters. Focus on the continued growth by Art Sitkowski. Remember, he was only a freshman this season, an 18-year-old kid. Did he show signs of struggling? Obviously, but he also showed signs at times that he could play the position effectively. Most importantly, root for the guys leaving the program and moving on towards either a career in the NFL or a career outside of the sport. These guys put in so much time and effort in what was a very difficult time for Rutgers athletics the past four years. They could have left once Kyle Flood was fired, but they decided to stay here at Rutgers and build this thing up. They wanted to win just as badly as we wanted them to win this year and really put in the effort throughout their entire time here. Wish them nothing but the best and nothing but good luck going forward. Hopefully, some of the guys join guys like Kamoko Teray, Gus Edwards, the McCordys, Logan Ryan, Daron Harmon, Mohamed Sanu, and many other Rutgers alumni in the NFL. But whatever they decide to do, they left a lasting impact on this university, on the athletic department, and on Rutgers football.